It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. Hello, this is Adam again, and this is our June episode of Merry Britsmas. Hopefully this should be appearing in your ears on Noel Day, aka halfway through the year, June 25th. And I can't believe it. That means we're only really another few months until Christmas season kind of starts properly. Well, of course, for me and probably you listeners, it's already and always Christmas season. Unless you're binging in November or December right now, in which case, why not join us the rest of the year and get a festive pick-me-up each month? In British Christmas news, Aldi, a supermarket chain here in the UK, have announced Junemus, where they'll be selling Christmas snacks such as mince pies and other treats in June. This is to celebrate festive fun because of the lockdowns and Covid that plagued and dampened many of our celebrations last December. However, with the UK slowly opening back up and lockdown easing, Hopefully, mid-year half-Christmas-style celebrations can commence. I apologise for missing last month, but I was very busy with work and home things, and Christmas just kind of got away from me, unfortunately. So I'm going to make sure this month's episode is full of fun Christmas things. On the pod this month, I'm going to explore a sitcom about a bunch of crude sick-form students' Christmas party, a Christmas poem, and a bit of novelty children Christmas music that went mainstream, with a classic wombling Merry Christmas. And if the term womble means nothing to you, well, you'll soon learn. Usually I speak about some sort of tradition or historical thing connected to Christmas, but I thought I'd move away from strictly speaking about those things in this section to explore something literary. I'm an English teacher, so, you know, I kind of have to sometimes. I love poetry, I love short stories, and I'm always on the lookout for festive additions to my book collections. I thought it might be nice to share some Christmas or winter poems on the podcast occasionally, and thought I'd start with one called King John by A.A. Milne. Yes, that A.A. Milne, of Winnie the Pooh fame. A little bit about him before we get to the poem itself. A.A. actually stands for Alan Alexander, and he was born and grew up in London. An interesting fact is that one of his teachers at school was the science fiction legend H.G. Wells. Alan Alexander went on to study mathematics at Cambridge and became a writer for Punch, a famed satire magazine here in the UK. Another strange literary connection was that he played cricket with a team of writers, including J.M. Barry, Arthur Conan Doyle and P.G. Woodhouse. Imagine the post-match pub chat. As many men of this era, he joined the army and served as an officer during World War I. He became injured in the Battle of the Somme and then worked for military intelligence writing propaganda. He went on to have a very successful writing career, publishing novels, writing screenplays and of course creating the world of Winnie the Pooh inspired by the stuffed animals of his son, Christopher Robin Milne. He also wrote poetry, including two collections for children. The poem we're going to look at today, King John, 
came from his 1972 collection called Now We Are Six. The poem explores the idea of wanting a Christmas present so very, very, very badly that I'm sure all of us as children can relate. However, with the nice and naughty list being prepared, King John was not the best man. King John's Christmas King John was not a good man. He had his little ways, and sometimes no one spoke to him for days and days and days. And men who came across him when walking in the town gave him a supercilious stare or passed with noses in the air, and bad King John stood dumbly there, blushing beneath his crown. King John was not a good man, and no good friends had he. He stayed in every afternoon, but no one came to tea. And round about December, the cards upon his shelf, which wished him lots of Christmas cheer and fortune in the coming year, were never from his near and dear, but only from himself. King John was not a good man, yet had his hopes and fears. They'd given him no present now for years and years and years. But every year at Christmas, while minstrels stood about, collecting tribute from the young for all the songs they might have sung, he stole away upstairs and hung a hopeful stocking out. King John was not a good man. He lived his life aloof. Alone he thought a message out while climbing up the roof. He wrote it down and propped it against the chimney stack, to all and sundry, near and far, F. Christmas in particular, and signed it not, Johannes R., but very humbly, Jack. I want some crackers and I want some candy. I think a box of chocolates would come in handy. I don't mind oranges, I do like nuts, and I should like a pocket knife that really cuts. And oh, Father Christmas, if you love me at all, bring me a big red India rubber ball. King John was not a good man. He wrote this message out and gat him to his room again, descending by the spout. And all that night he lay there, a prey to hopes and fears. I think that's him a-coming now. Anxiety bedewed his brow. He'll bring one present anyhow, the first I had for years. Forget about the crackers, and forget the candy. I'm sure a box of chocolates would never come in handy. I don't like oranges, I don't want nuts, and I have got a pocket knife that almost cuts. But oh, Father Christmas, if you love me at all, Bring me a big red India rubber ball. King John was not a good man. Next morning when the sun rose up to tell a waiting world that Christmas had begun and people seized their stockings and opened them with glee and crackers, toys and games appeared and lips with sticky sweets were smeared. King John said grimly, as I feared, nothing again for me. I did want crackers and I did want candy. I know a box of chocolates would come in handy. I do love oranges. I did want nuts. And oh, if Father Christmas had loved me at all, he would have bought me a big red India rubber ball. King John stood by the window and frowned to see below, the happy bands of boys and girls all playing in the snow. A while he stood there watching and envying them all, when through the window, big and red, there hurtled by his royal head and bounced and fell upon the bed an India rubber ball. And oh, Father Christmas, my blessings on you fall for bringing him a big red India rubber ball. I hope you like that, and I'd love to read more poetry on the podcast in the future. I do have a list of poems and a new book of poems I bought recently as well that I might be looking through, but if there are any that you know of that you could recommend to me, or any poets in particular that you know write Christmas poetry or Christmas-related poetry, I'd love to hear about it. So please do get in touch, message me, either on my Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and you can find me at Merry Britsmas.
Many TV shows have tried to capture that feel of growing up, and whilst there are some genuinely great teen films and TV shows, the majority are not quite realistic. They're an ideal of what we want to be as teenagers. Cool, popular, funny, getting into wacky adventures or overcoming challenges to get the girl, or be popular, or find your place in the world. Then, along came the in-betweeners. In 2008, creators Damon Beasley and Ian Morris brought Will, Simon, Jay and Neil to the small screen. Each of these sick formers present a different nerdy and awkward side of British teenage life. Will, played by Simon Bird, is the new boy, a nerdy kid who carries a briefcase which of course earns him a clever nickname. Oh, briefcase? <laughs> yeah, briefcase. Yes, it's a briefcase. Oh, briefcase! His best friend Simon, played by Joe Thomas, is awkward and obsessive over girls often leading to bouts of irrational hysterical mania. It's a lot of gel you've got in your hair. What? Smells quite strongly too. Why are you telling this to me now? I'm just mentioning it. I can see you've got a lot in, that's all. What? I don't... I mean, I can't wash it now, can I? I've not got time. God, I don't know why you are like this sometimes. Jay, played by James Buckley, is the most immature and crude of the bunch, always telling rather unbelievable stories about himself and his achievements. What about this? Championship manager. Completed it, mate. You can't complete it. Yeah, I know, but I got so good at it that the FA offered me a role in the England setup. Did they? I took Woking from the conference to the Champions League in six seasons. Stuff like that doesn't go unnoticed, Neil. And finally, there's Neil, played by Blake Harrison, a tall, gullible fellow who goes through life with a lot of confidence and a lack of self-awareness. Come on, let's go. This place is cursed. Oh, my God, it's haunted. No, Neil. Well, it might be. Like one of those ghost stories, you know, like Harry Potter or the Bible. Rounding out the cast are parents, other students, and a very funny teacher played by the brilliant Greg Davis, who mocks the boys as much as their peers do. Frankly, the last thing I want is to be cleaning up your dreadful sick, or even worse, you putting your arms around me and telling me that I'm all right for a teacher and that you love me. The show was hugely successful, but as with many great British sitcoms, only ran for three seasons of six episodes each. Two movies have subsequently been released, which are pretty good, considering the usual calibre of TV sitcom to film transitions. But at the end of season one comes an episode called Christmas Party, oddly first shown in May. In the episode, Will is in charge of the committee to plan the Christmas party for the students, and is keen to do well in order to be seen as cool. He's roped in his friends, of course, but they aren't that happy about it. Yes, John? Are we going to have food? Yep. Yep, we will. Uh, if you look at the agenda, that's item four, so we'll get to that. Um, because I think we should have food. And I was wondering what type everyone thought we should have. Yep. Yeah, as I say, uh, that is on the agenda, so we'll get to that. Lasagna's nice, and so are burgers. You don't need a plate for burgers, which gives them an edge on lasagna. Yes, John, please, we'll get to that. But you can eat burgers off a plate, too. Listen, lardass, there will be food, so shut the f*** up so we can get this over with. I just wanted you all to... Shut up! The guys also have to go get suits, which doesn't go too well. Oh yes, very, very nice. I think it's kind of hideous. Is it velvet? Uh, too jazzy? Yeah, yeah, too jazzy. And Simon, as usual, is obsessed with trying to reconnect with his long-term crush Carly, planning to make a big gesture at the party. No, no, I'm fine. Jay's got his end sorted and I know exactly what to say. Right. Are you sure you should trust Jay with what could be the tenderest moment of your life? Yeah, 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 he'll be fine. It's a good plan. 
And can it be worse than puking on her brother's head? Maybe. You haven't told me what it is yet. Meanwhile, Jay gets his dream slot of DJ and tells them all, of course, that he has experience here. I'll be much better. I've organised hundreds of parties. This is the first ever Christmas prom, not a chimp's tea party. What we want is a good, structured evening. What we want is a big, mucky disco and a piss-up. Hang on. When have you organised parties? All the time. I've known you for ten years and I have never seen you organise a party. Bollocks. What about my birthday party last year? Your mum organised that. Yeah, under my supervision. And that was a wicked party. Meanwhile, Neil is just trying to get with the young, attractive teacher and wearing the most ridiculous suit of all, a sort of glam rock get-up that exposes his whole chest. Have you gone mental? Oh, this is cool. Look, I saw it in nuts. Girls will fancy me because I stand out. <laughs> You'll stand out because your f**k is minuscule. Will you stop looking at my f**k? Mate, I think that's brave. Really brave. It's so s**t. Actually, maybe I better go stick a couple of socks down there. Any jobs for me? Wash your hands afterwards. Gotcha. Simon's plan with Carly doesn't quite come to fruition. I just need to say that... Um... Simon, I've had enough heads today. What is it? Why are you being so weird? <laughs> oh, no. No, it's nothing. Nothing. Um, I was gonna say something, but it's gone now. Will, meanwhile, talks to his crush Charlotte, a situation that her crazy ex-boyfriend Donovan witnesses. <laughs> I can warn you about talking to Charlotte. You are taking the piss! I, di I didn't. I wasn't. She came over to me. Mr. Gilbert? Mr. Gilbert! Thankfully, the crowd, kind of, rally behind Will in a big, lovely Christmas moment. Yeah, leave him alone. What's wrong with you? You ain't even done nothing. Don't be a head, Donovan. Yeah, Donovan. Leave the specky short ass alone. He's organised a good party. Yeah, briefcase is a rat, Donovan. Don't be a tit. Charlotte. Thanks. That was really kind and really great. And I, I sort of knew that I'd have to say a few words of thanks at some point tonight. So I prepared a little speech that... Ah. Again. And the gang end the night actually somewhat happy, which is unusual for an in-betweeners ending. Though I suppose it was the last of the series and, of course, a Christmas episode. I'm allowed to enjoy this, aren't I? Oh yeah, well done, mate. Top night. Tonight, I win. Pie was good, Charlotte probably not a bet, and best of all, Donovan didn't beat me up. That last one you can only enjoy over the holiday. It'll kill you next term. No. The show isn't super Christmassy, but it's become a classic for good reason. It's so realistic to a cringe-worthy level. It takes on the shame, the fear, the panic, the lust and the lies of British teenage life especially for those kids who can't quite make it to the cool table. The cast works so well together, including in this episode. The four main actors just fit their roles perfectly and play off each other so well you'd really believe they were schoolmates. Christmas is just kind of in the background there in this episode, so I wouldn't say it's a go-to Christmas watch, but it's a Christmas party, and for a Christmas obsessive, I'll count it. I'm briefly interrupting my own podcast to recommend another podcast to you. A Christmas podcast, of course. Jingle Jank is a podcast hosted by Scott and Jay, where they find, explore, discuss interesting Christmas music from all sorts of genres and areas. 
They always try and find unusual, rare and little known Christmas songs. As someone that listens to a lot of Christmas music, these guys have managed to introduce me to a whole bunch of Christmas songs that I've never heard of, and that is impressive. So search up Jingle Jank to hear some Christmas music that you might not have heard before. Look up and check out Jingle Jank on your podcast app of choice. Underground. Overground. Wombling free. If that sounded like nonsense to you, then you're probably not British. Just the word womble seems like the most British thing, doesn't it? Maybe you've heard of them, but maybe you're as confused as you're going to be when I try to explain what wombles are. Underground, overground, wombling free. The wombles of Wimbledon, common are we. Making good use of the things that we find. Things that the everyday folks leave behind. Wombles are a bunch of furry, burrowing creatures who live on Wimbledon Common in London and collect and recycle rubbish. They're not real, but it's as quaint and sweet as it sounds, and they started as characters in a children's book in 1968, then made the jump onto British TV in 1973, with a stop-motion series that became beloved by the public. Listen to the son of Elizabeth Beresford talk about how she came up with the idea of the Wombles. My mother Elizabeth Beresford had her eureka moment on Wimbledon Common in the late 60s. It was Boxing Day and we were taken up there because we'd been making far too much noise for our grandparents. And my sister Kate ran up to Mum and said, isn't it lovely being on Wimbledon Common? And Mum looked at her and said, that's it, the Wombles of Wimbledon. And Elizabeth herself talks about writing them. I hope that working here, perhaps I shall be able to produce a few more Womble books, and we mustn't take it all too seriously, which eventually will make people laugh. And that's what I want to do. It's just literally to go on making people laugh. They soon became a pop sensation when songwriter Mike Batt wrote and released The Wombling Song in 1973. Four whole studio albums followed, all of which went gold, and four singles hit the top ten, including Remember You're a Womble. the biggest selling group of 1974, spending more time in the UK charts with their two albums than any other act. The band even performed in full Womble suits on Top of the Pops. They also played Glastonbury in 2011. So with the massive success of this crossover kids novelty act, a Christmas song was inevitable. In November 1974, a Wombling Merry Christmas was released, reaching number two in the charts over the course of an eight-week stay. Wobbling Merry Christmas Open your eyes The 
I still maintain it's a pretty damn good song and the right mix of fun and cheese for the festive season. Here's Mike Bat talking about writing the song and I agree with that whimsical meaning he talks about. I knew I wanted to write a Christmas hit which would have warmth and some kind of Christmassy real feeling to it, not just take a song and change the words to Christmas this and snow that. Um, so it was very important to me that it had that kind of something almost whimsically, slightly not sad, but something meaningful about it. And he even reveals a musical link to a carol. And of course, the actual notes, no one ever really knows this, but it's actually so good King Wenceslas. Oh yeah. As it's a bit of a strange, very British novelty track, there aren't that many big covers. Rather sadly, in my opinion, I think there should be more. But I did find some interesting ones. First, check out comedy folk band the Lancashire Hot Pots covering it for BBC Radio Two in 2019. Spanish indie pop duo, The Yellow Melody, from last year. Open your eyes, look to the skies When you're lonely There will be stars shining for you Sleep us awake, it's getting late Snow is falling The whole wide world all day long we will be wumbling in the snow We wish you a wumbling Merry Christmas All day long we will be laughing as we go And across to the USA now and it surprised me to find an American indie band from Idaho called The Very Most cover it for an EP in cover with Roy Wood of Wizard fame as he decided to team up with the Wombles for I Wish It Could Be a Wombling Christmas Every Day 
It was performed on Top of the Pops and released as a single in 2000 when it got to number 22 in the charts. So that's it for another episode of Merry Britsmas. I hope you're keeping well and I'd love to hear from you on all my social media channels. It's just Merry Britsmas on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Chat, share your ideas. Do you love or hate the wombling Merry Christmas song? Maybe I'll put a little poll up. Would you like more festive poetry? Let me know. Reach out especially for Noel Day and let me know what you're doing. And make sure you spend the day getting a bit of British Christmas in. Happy blooming Christmas to you and all.